welcome to the Agile BI podcast, where we chat with guests or sometimes just to ourselves about being agile with teams who are delivering data, analytics, and visualizations. Hi, I'm Shane Gibson. Hi, I'm Blair Tempro. And today, Blair and I are on our own for our first uh, chat between us, our first podcast where we don't have a guest. Um, and today, the thing we're going to go through and talk about is the idea of what do you do when you have a new Scrum Master. So work, I'm working with a new customer, um, and I'm coaching the team, uh, the data team, around some stuff they want to build. And as part of that, um, the, the customers brought on uh, a new person that they need to train up and coach as a Scrum Master for the team. Um, and so we're kind of sitting back going, hell, we, we have a new person, they need to become a Scrum Master. Do we just send them on a two-day Scrum Master course and let them get a certificate and let them learn, which we all know the answer is no. It might be a good start, but it's certainly not the whole part of the journey. Um, and so as I was thinking about, you know, what do we need to do? What are the patterns that we can apply to, to help this person grow? I kind of thought, Blair, about, you know, years and years ago when, when you first started well, as, a, yeah. as, a, as a, you know, thrown in the deep end of, congratulations, Blair, you're the new Scrum Master. Um, um, fill your boots. Fill your boots. Um, so really just thinking about what things did you try? Were you coached on what things worked, what things didn't? Um, and from there, maybe we can come up in the end of a bit of a, a checklist of patterns that people should probably uh, at least a, you know have a look at first um, when when working with a new scrum master. Yeah, sure. Um, I was lucky enough to have you and and Jeff on my journey, um, and I think the first lesson I, I learned was, um, you know, you've got to have regular ceremonies. So you, those are the patterns that you have to get in place first of all. You've got to get everybody used to meeting, you know, that, at the, that certain time in the morning and bringing their A game. So, um, as well as getting them on time, I guess um, being the energy of the team was really important. So, um, even if things are going to custard, I just found that um, you had to be the one that brought that team up to that other level or to that next level. Um, yeah, so, so really the ceremonies and the energy were the two big things I picked up first. So when we look at what you did though, so um, you know, the natural behaviour is to go and do a Scrum Master course, right? A one yeah. two day course, which for me still has a lot of value because, um, as you mentioned, it helps the people, the new people understand some of the terms, right? You know, what's a retro, what's a stand up, why do we refine things and, and how often should we do it? But you didn't do that. You didn't no. actually go on the, on a course to get started. So so how did you find, um, you know, I think we ran some workshops, we explained some concepts, so they were little short kind yeah. of intros to the terms and a little bit of, of a framework or a description or context, actually is probably a better word, context about what they were. But do you think in hindsight going on to a course for two days to give you those to begin with was the right thing to do? Oh, yes and no. I mean, I was lucky enough that we did have that um, interaction with Jeff and yourself. Um, so I quickly picked up those terms. Um, it didn't take long at all. I wasn't just coming in and reading a textbook, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess um, like two-day course learning the fundamentals um, 
wouldn't be a bad thing, but it's not the end of the world. I think the scrum master as a person um, is way more important, so you get the right person into the gig. Um, you get the right support, um, so, you know, that could be a course, but it's we were so spoiled to have you guys in there that um, I think that's the ultimate model to follow if, you, if you're able to. Um, I think um, if you were to do a course, it would be the technical stuff, how to run a burn-down sheet, how to um, build user stories, how to, um, you know, how to size a card, how to size a story, that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and for me, uh, what I find is uh, having the Scrum Master and the team learn that together has high value. Right? So, you know, the idea of, of using poker points and, and doing some estimation of the stories um, to figure out what we can commit to in an iteration or a sprint is where the value is. Um, it's the value of the conversation. So I kind of worry that if it was only the Scrum Master going off and learning that, you know, and they're not really at a, at a coaching level yet, they, yeah. can't, they still don't know it enough to be able to teach or coach the team, that it, it starts getting done in isolation. Um, but then I look at some of the stuff that I don't coach strongly on, like um, burn-down charts. Yeah. You know, it's not something that I, I strongly work towards. So there's probably a whole lot of other stuff that, that Scrum Master will pick up on that course. Yeah, and um, with the burn-down chart, I've found that because we're running three or four sprints at the same time, um, it's quite an overhead in terms of admin, and, um, and I might be... I might be kicking myself in the foot here, but I've kind of dropped out of that that activity um, just for the sheer volume of the work that we're getting through. Um, I can tell if we're not hitting velocity. I can tell if we're running into trouble because people are starting to burn out. Um, um, so I, I don't think there's a problem removing that, that mechanism if you, if you think uh, it's not adding value. I mean, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day about no estimates, so there's this whole... Uh, discussion shall we call it about should we be story pointing uh, or should we not and and the kind of approach that I heard that I really liked was that we, we start off story pointing in the beginning with a team because it helps that team learn and talk and, and figure out what does a right size look like but over time a high performing team a mature team will um, naturally story point in their head right they will naturally decompose the stories down to almost the same size you know and, and mm. you know they will typically you know if we, if we said you know maybe it's a five but they will start breaking those stories down to five by default and really identifying when there's a three and when there's an eight right yeah um, and they start naturally doing that so the overhead of actually story pointing uh, has minimal value now because that team's naturally doing it. Yeah. Of course, if you broke the team and brought in some new people, then you'd probably have to go back. And maybe with velocity, same thing for you, right? You you have a team, they're a mature team, they, they've hit their, their velocity, you know a warning sign where you can help them when it, when it wobbles. Yeah. But if you split that team and created two teams out of them, you pretty much would need to go back to managing velocity via, via the data. Yeah. But that's one thing that I'm really... Um staunch about is keeping the storytelling um, or the sizing um, even if that size is irrelevant um, it is as you touched on earlier the conversations that you mm -hmm. have um, and we have a bit of fun with it as well so if if the whole team scores the same points for three different stories then I have to buy a cake oh wow yeah there, there's been some cheating on I was going to say no, no collusion right yeah <laughs> And you get these really interesting conversations like the developer will say to a tester, so how hard is it? 
mm-hmm. and there's code in there. So yeah. um, I've I've broken a few um, racket racketeering a bit, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's those conversations. So it's gold if somebody has a twenty and the other p- person has a five. Right. <clears throat> One person completely doesn't understand the story, obviously. Yep. So you get those conversations. Um, yeah, and and we've gone past the ninety points is all we can deliver in a sprint. Mm-hmm. We're sort of getting used to um, over- underestimating is probably the big thing. Right. Like we'll have an eight sitting in progress for a whole sprint. Right. <clears throat> but then we'll sort of tackle that during backlog grooming and say, "Come on, guys, you gave it an eight. It's taken three weeks. What what's going on?" Yeah. And that'll start another group of conversations. It's like. How do, how do we break the story down? It's obviously an epic if it's been sitting there for so long. So, you know, and, that, and when that comes up in retrospectives as well as we've got to get better at actually sizing the stories. Yeah, and, and, and for me it's about, um, often the agile coaching, it's about experience or having, having seen it before and then figuring out patterns that might help. So, you know, one of the ones I've got at the moment is, is the, it's a very small team, so there's, there's only four in the team. So there's not a lot of excess capacity and not a lot, and, and there's great, they do actually have really good T-skills, but they haven't quite come along on the T-skills conversation yet. Um, so they unconsciously know about it, but it needs to be reinforced. So there was an example where one of the team members uh, had to, to exit the sprint for personal reasons for a period of time, um, and they had a bunch of stories that were waiting on that person, um, and they, they had those stories sitting and done, so there was a whole conversation mm. coming up about uh, what's the definition of done even you know, we had to find what definition of done was but it hasn't been reinforced because mm. uh, an in-flight story sitting waiting for effort from another team member wasn't the definition um, yeah. but the way the, the Scrum Master I'm working with fixed that um, was to again you know, we, we, we talked about it and it was like okay so so why can't another team member pick it up? I know that the person that's um, not there probably has the best skills to solve that problem. They probably have the best experience, but there's enough skills crossover across the team that somebody else could pick it up and finish it. Yeah. Um, so again, it's it's about that uh, reinforcement, that, that saying, hey, I've seen this before. Maybe we have this type of conversation yeah. um, that the Scrum Master needs to, to accelerate and get better. Um, yeah. So what my thoughts are around the, the idea of Scrum Master training um, was yeah, kind, of a, kind of a combination so of what, what we did when we worked together and what I see happening a lot. And so for me it's about an initial exploratory bunch of sessions with the team where we, we work through some concepts, yeah. um, get to the team to this level where they understand the words. Um, thinking maybe that the Scrum Master should read the Scrum.org, Scrum Master Guide, right? They should read the some... The Manifesto. Uh, not the Manifesto. There's a really good document uh, um, on Scrum.org, which is a Scrum Master Guide. It explains to a Scrum Master what Scrum Master about some of that Oh, yes. I've got my, got my trainee looking at that at the yep. moment. Yep. yep. So, so something for them to read should raise some questions. Then we cover off the questions briefly in a, in a small period of time when they have them. And then um, when they're, you know, after a little period of time, then they go on the course, right? Because yeah. now what they're doing is going in, understanding the concepts, and really starting to put the pieces together. 
and then they'll in that course they'll pretty much ask the hard questions now the bit I don't know is whether the the course can handle that right um, what somebody said to me when I was, I was looking around and saying well you know if we're going to send a scrum master off for training where do they go they said don't worry so much about um, the course or, or yeah they're all pretty much the same kind of courses same kind of content really worry about who's taking it yeah, you know, it's you want a person that's been there, done that, and and can bring those stories and answer those questions, not just run through the training sheet. So, yep, for me, that's I think you know that using the course as a reinforcement uh, mm. if the course is up. To yeah, that. because there's some activities that were, and I'll go over a few of them that we found really valuable um, with you guys and with us um, that I don't know that you can do without having the whole development team together, mm. um, but you could actually just list them and, and sort of describe them in the, in the course I guess but um, don't be that guy be that guy yep yep it's such a great concept and quite simple actually and and it's self-managed right so just briefly you um, describe all describe all the traits that you don't want the team to um, exhibit and that goes on don't be that guy on the other side you say be that guy and that will be things like um, listening skills um, you know the ability to to um, help when it's required. Um, don't just do your own tasks. And and on the on the other side, it's like um, talk over people and um, always late for meetings and finds excuses that sort of thing. Um, found that just gold. Yeah, and and so um, you know one of the things I'm kind of working through now is when we use don't be that person and and be that person. Um, do we do it early on with the team? Or do we wait? So, you know, do we put it right up front so we can set the scene and then point people back to it? Or do we wait till we start seeing some of the behaviours in the team degrade where that type of conversation would help them get out of the problem and then we introduce it at that time? So um, I'm still working, sort of struggling with this idea of how much is up front? Because as I say to, to the new teams I engage with now, you know, in the past, I used to do a two, three-day boot camp, mm. you know, and that was a combination of Agile, so you know, it talks about Scrum and, and Lean and Kanban, it talks about Agile teams and, and Agile ceremonies and disciplines and ways of working, and that was kind of a full day, and then the second day was more around patterns that you use for data and analytics when yeah. you're doing Agile, but that two days, it was intensive, um, and probably the content was so rich now that I probably needed to extend it to three, mm. but that boot camp, they came away brain dead, right? It was, it was a lot, and then we still then had to go back and reinforce it with, yeah. with sub-mod, you know, little one-hour, two-hour um, kind of interactive modules together, not modules, because it wasn't, I didn't treat the those ones as training, but more conversations. Yeah. Um, so then I kind of said, well, actually, maybe it's it's just in time, right? Should we be going through just in time? I mm. worry that, um, you know, then we don't actually, don't have the big picture for them. And especially when it's a new Scrum Master, right? Somebody yeah. who hasn't done it before, then they need to be one step ahead of the team in terms yeah. of their understanding what we do next. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you think? What do you, should, should, should we have the boot camp for the team and the scrum master uh, and then kick off and then reinforce or should we bring through the different things that are needed just in time and, and help the scrum master kind of understand what they are and, and where to go? Mm, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> like we, were, we went through the boot camp type scenario and I found that really 
really useful. Um, so I'd probably go with everything that I the, the way that I learnt everything, and that's all up front. Um, reinforce once you see um, the type of behaviours that you don't align with what you're trying to teach, then you know quickly stamp them out. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, so things like don't be that guy, you can sort of get them kicked off. My problem is when you get a new member into the team, they haven't signed up to that. Yeah. They they haven't said that that behaviour sucks and I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to stand for it. So what do you do? Do you go through that whole exercise again with the team? Um, because you really want that as a um, social contract, right? It's, um, um, yeah, look, I... I do you go through it with the whole team? Typically, I'd say my natural reaction is to say no, right? The, the cost of having the whole team go through that again, they've been there, done that. Yeah. Um, but then I, I look at it the other way and I go, the value of the new team member understanding why the team are behaving certain ways and how they got there and that social contract with their, their team members, that's where the value is. Yeah. So... Yes, the other team members have been through it, but sure as shit, they're going to refine it again, right? They're going to start, because we probably, as a team, we haven't gone back and looked at our uh, this person, that person, right? And we've seen some new behaviours turn up that we never thought about that we kind of want to yeah. encourage or squash. So, um, yeah, I, I actually say, yeah, go back and um, figure out a way of, of refining the, the conversations so that they're more focused and slightly quicker than the first time mm. um, because the team are reinforcing it. Um, be interesting to see whether, um, whether the team could actually run each of those sessions themselves in a round robin technique. Mm. Uh, that's a bit of a stretch. But actually... Wow, that would work. But actually also the other way of looking at it is that's a, a sign of success, right? An acceptance criteria for having a scrum master... Um, coach to the level that they're self-sufficient is if they can run through the team when a new person turns up, it's kind of a nice safe environment for them, right? Because yep. they've got the team behind them, the team uh, understand the concepts and, and why we do this, and then the new team member comes in and the scrum master is now leading you know from the side. Yep. Um, and it's a great way for them to practice because you know going in as a scrum master with a team on day one is hard. You know, it's yep. hard. You don't get to practice. Yeah. Um, the other one that we're kind of experimenting with at the moment is um, how do we how do we get the scrum master to start leading right that that coaching or that helping yeah. the team um, without them being at the front of stand up and being the project manager or you know, yeah. how how do they, we help with that um, and the one we've kind of picked on um, to to experiment with is retrospectives right yeah. And, Pick that one because you know there's lots of cool games out there for retrospectives, you know, uh, where you can go and find different ways of running them. So what we're trialling is, as I've said to the new Scrum Master, you go find a retrospective game yeah. um, that you think is interesting. You do the research and learn that game, and then you run the next retrospective of the team using that game. Um, so it's small toe in the water, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're completely on your own, you're doing all the research and you're running that session you got support from me as a coach, I'll be in the room with you. Um, we've actually tweaked the game a little bit based on where the team are. Yeah. Um, so um, making sure that you know we get the value of the retrospective itself out of that hour. Um, yeah, so we're going to go try that this week. So That's uh, brilliant. We'll, we'll um, see how it goes. Yeah, so I'm in the um, 
in a really good position where I'm, I've got a trainee scrum master that I'm getting up to speed and you've just given me a great idea for his next um, development and that is to run a retrospective. Um, so I've slowly moved from, um, he's been in the room for all of the ceremonies, all of the planning sessions, retrospectives. Um, he's watched me run the team in the morning um, for the 15 minutes. Um, we've talked about it afterwards, how everyone's a bit flat in the morning, the coffee might not have kicked in, it's your job to get everyone perked up. Um, well, it's a good, it's a good role anyway. Um, so now we, we can move into the re retrospective, so I'm quite excited about that. So the benefit there, though, is that you're running, you're the Scrum Master, so you're helping the team as the Scrum Master, and this person's coming in kind of next to you and learning by example. Yeah, that's right, yeah. If, if you took a, if there was a different scenario, so for example, say you had another team, yeah. and this person got brought on as their Scrum Master but never done it before, mm. and you didn't have the capacity to be the Scrum Master for that team... I'd struggle with that. How, how would you get them up to speed, right? What would you do? I mean, We would have to find some serious time together to um, to build that sort of fund <clears throat> fundamental um, backlog of, of you know, of knowledge. Um, I probably would have to look for a course. Yeah. <clears throat> I, w I probably wouldn't want to drop him into that. I think that would be a terrible thing. Um, I mean, it's it's like throwing someone into the sea, isn't it? It'll be just, yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. It so, have to be the right person. I'd, so, you know, I'd be nervous. So, so, you know what? I mean, I've, I've seen this happen a couple of times now with customers I've worked with. And, and yeah, part of the reason is is when I go coaching a customer, what I say to them is, I will never be the scrum master. Right. You know, I might start off helping with the ceremonies, right, just to get us going in the interim until you identify a scrum master. I always recommend that the, the scrum master is a role within the organisation. It's a way that you operate. It's not something that you bring a contractor in for the whole time because yeah. that's a project behaviour, yeah. not, a, not a way of working. Um, so, and, and typically an organisation won't have a permanent scrum master or actually the ones I've worked with where they do, they have one permanent scrum master and 30 agile teams, right? And, yeah. and so that, that person's more of a coach than they are the right. scrum master for the yeah. team. Um, so often, often the person will come in to the team and, and they haven't done it before and I'm not there full time showing, you know, learn, so they can learn by example. Yeah. But the point that you made was you're dropping them in and it's kind of... Uh, maybe, maybe harsh, but yeah. It's harsh, um, but they'll either survive or they won't. It'd and, be a good way of um, testing who's going to be a Scrum Master and who's not. It, it's, uh, they have to have the passion. They really want to have to do that job because, that role, because um, it's hard. They have to do lots of learning. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not easy. Um, yeah, they have to um, be empowered, and if they're not empowered by the team or by the organisation, then it just won't work, and that's important to know, not fear on them, but it's better to know that it's going to happen or not happen um, as soon as possible. Yeah. And they're either the right personality style or they're not, and, and that will come out really quickly. Yeah. Um, but I suppose I've been lucky because most, you know, every time it's happened to me over the last few years, that Scrum Master's always rocked it. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's just luck or not. I think it probably is, but um, it, it's worked, right? Yeah, so I'm yeah. like, it works. I'm, I mean, it must fail at some stage, but uh, yeah, do it must work. do. Um, I think it also in that circumstance where you are sort of um, 
putting a, a novice into the role of scrum master, then the role of product owner probably has to be reinforced. That, um, because when I came in to my role, um, product ownership was a little bit of a little task that was tagged on to the end of somebody in the business's role. So it was, okay, I'm nominating you to be product owner, go and hang out with these guys, um, do your best. Um, you don't need to lead, you just need to sit there and, um, you know, and take some feedback back to the business or have a guess on what comes next in the backlog. Um, so I think if, you know, you need someone with a strong agile background out of those two roles. Yeah, that's a good point. So don't don't drop a new scrum master into a team where there is either an absent product owner or a product owner that's not experienced. Yeah, or a proxy. Yeah. But what about a strong team, right? So if you drop a scrum master into a team that's mature, they're pretty much going to tell the scrum master how to do their job. Yep. Right, and so would the person ever be able to accelerate where they become the servant leader, not the servant slave? Yeah, that would um, be a difficult one. Um, or, uh, you know, yeah, is, is, is that going to be... It, yeah, I think, I think the thing to look, look at there is, has the team designed their own um, best fit for, the, for what they're doing? So they, they've, um, they're not taking agile advice from the Scrum Master. They've... Um, decided how it's all done so I wouldn't want to drop a rookie in that's got a couple of days training under his belt and sees that everything is wrong according to the textbook yep. and starts forcing that on the team um, but once if we once we cope if we if we set the conversation up that the, the rookie scrum master I like that term rookie because again I'm, I'm getting really big on this idea of football and using the yep. coaching analogy it's just flowing in so many different ways so when the rookie hits the field you know the the team are helping the rookie come up to speed yeah um but as the scrum master what we're saying to them is uh the first stage has come up to speed yeah i understand the terminology understand the way the team's working um get up to to the level of the team and then you need to look ahead right you need to start looking outside what the team are doing to to the greater wide world find things that will help the team accelerate, yep. find ways of having conversations with the team about what they're going to do, improve the way they work next. Mm. So if we couch it with that, you know, accelerate up to your running at the same speed and then figure out how to get in front of them and, and yeah. be ready to help them um, get yep. you know, better in the way they're working, it's almost a two-stage process and we should be able to say you know, that that's what the success criteria is. Yep. Um, so a rookie scrum master coming into a mature development team, um, they've got their own way of working. The scrum master, albeit a rookie, sees something that he thinks is or she thinks is fundamentally flawed or broken in the way that that team's working. You've got to be very careful how you deal with that. You can't just say, no, nah, that's crap, we need to do it this way. And that's where I think that the subtleties that I've learned in being a scrum master need to come in. You need to... You need to suggest rather than rather than command. You need to um, offer those alternative ways of doing it and selling the benefits of that. So it's um, you know 
the, the soft skills of a scrum master really come to the fore there. And that's why they're called a second leader, right? Because a scrum master should never say they're doing it wrong. They should just help the team learn. So there may to, be a better way of doing it. According to page five of the manual, you are not doing this right. Yeah. Um, um, they'll just spit, her, spit the person out. So the key thing then is, is when you have a new scrum master coming in, it's often about the context of what they're walking into. Yeah. So if they're walking into uh, a mature team with a mature product owner, then the way that they engage and learn and, and, and focus has to be different. So in that scenario, I'd probably actually say send them on the course at the beginning yeah. um, with a very clear conversation around the team uh, uh, doing Agile in their way. Yeah. Um, so, so don't come back and say the book says, right? Yeah. Come back and say, hey, you know, on the course we talked about this, I, we don't quite see you guys working that way. Uh, yeah. Um, How how's your alternative way? Yeah, working um, for you. Yep, and and then you can can do it that way, and then the whole goal of that is to accelerate the scrum master up to the same maturity as the team, and then uh, help them get ahead yep. and figure out how to help the team in the future. If we're walking into an organisation where uh, you know there's a, a rookie product owner, a rookie team, and a rookie scrum master. Um, the more and more I'm coming back to actually we need multiple coaches yeah. um, to be successful uh, to be safe right I mean you'll, you can always be successful but to get there slightly faster and, and in, a, in, a, in a nicer way yeah. um, we probably need a product owner coach an agile coach and a scrum master coach uh, for periods of time to he- help each of those teams or those roles kind of become the best they can be um, and, and that may need to, the focus may need to change depending on where the problems come from. Absolutely. Um, if you're walking in and you've got, you know, a strong scrum master already in place, then the learn by example, mm. right, is great, and, and you can probably live with some immaturity in the team or immaturity in the product owner yep. um, because there's a safe pair of hands there full time pretty much for that conversation with them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's, I think it's about almost and the we, balance. Yeah, and, and we... It'd be a really good idea if we um, sort of sort of name these these use cases where rookie scrum master, mature team, yeah, rookie product owner versus mature product owner, mature team, rookie. You yeah, know. so a bit of a matrix, and, and then, then how you deal with those different um, scenarios. Yeah, um, I like that. It's, uh... I mean, we'd have to you know we'd hypothesize about it and get. Get some examples going. Well, I think if we just draw the picture, you know, draw that matrix, at least we've got a frame there that people can understand a conversation they need to start. Yeah. And that not all things are equal. No, that's pretty. I hadn't thought about it that way. Because you could have swim lanes for what training, whether it's coaching hmm. by coming in to the organisation, whether it's you know do you do your two two day course, whether you need a mature scrum master in there for a duration of time whether you need the product owner to be coached as well on the job. I mean, yeah. And, and, and also about co-location. So, you know, depending on on that matrix, you know, the Agile coach or the scrum, the, the incumbent scrum master, you know, there is times where actually you pretty much have to be co-located, right? Yeah. You, can't, you can't treat it as a, um, a one-hour remote session um, because, you know, it's just not going to work, right? You know, the person's going to be left on their own and there's no feedback. And, and that's one that I'm finding interesting at the moment is um, a lot of the coaching I'm doing now is starting to be remote. Um, and it, 
it takes a while for the for that you know when I'm coaching a, a scrum master or an agile coach um, as part of the role within that organization um, because you're not there hundred percent of the time yeah. they feel like uh, they're interrupting you right um, and and so that conversation about actually I'm here to coach you I'm here when you need me there's you know I have a bunch of techniques about how they can get a hold of me yeah. if it's urgent there's a way if it's uh, the top of their mind and they just need to to put it down and then we can come and even, you know, I can either reply as soon as I'm free or you know we can make a time to talk about it um, there's different techniques depending on the, the urgency of the of the question um, but then naturally I don't know if it's a Kiwi thing or not there's that oh, I'll wait till you're here next time and it's like no no, no buddy we've got a we've got a deadline on, the, on this or, yeah, um, yeah. or velocity goes to um, to a standstill and you start looking for those BAUs yeah sort of tasks that are yeah. adding no value but you're comfortable in your own skin doing them. Yeah, so I think again, you know, with new Scrum Masters, it's making sure they have that lifeline. Um, so we talked a while ago, I, I think it was earlier, uh, we talked about the idea of product owner mentors, right? Uh, yeah. um, having an experienced product owner that's available for for um, the new ones to just have a coffee and ask those dumb or uncomfortable questions. Um, I think the same is with a, with a rookie scrum master, is that yeah. even if it's not in that organisation, um, as well as the coach, the person that's helping them, I think forming a buddy system where there is another scrum master that they can have a coffee with. And well, I did that. Be safe. I did that. And it was... Okay. Yeah. So so um, I met with my mentor and mm. it was purely, um, it wasn't sort of like every week, it was if I came across a problem... It might be something that he's come across before that, that he can help me with, or maybe it's not a problem and just go with the flow. So it's those sort of conversations I've found really, really valuable. Yeah. And um, you know, some of them, some of the um, answers I got were just you might just have to let it break before it gets yep. fixed, and it's like, okay, how do I do that? But no, having the um, the the mentor or buddy systems just it's gold. And it's not something I see at the moment. I see, well, it's not, you know, people have people they can call on, but some people don't. And especially if they're moving into that Scrum Master role from scratch, right, if they're becoming, you know, coming in at blank, they probably don't understand the, the network. So so maybe part of that is encouraging the rookie Scrum Masters to to look at the meetups, look at the, the different things in that space, and, and having a conversation with up front saying, you know, you still be coaching, you still be training, and you still be experienced on the job, but actually, because this is a whole new role for you, like anything, when you change what you do, you need to invest. Um, you probably need to invest some of your time um, in the meetup or work out with your pastoral care manager on how you're going to manage that. Um, but you yeah, know, you you need to find that network and plumb in to help you. Yeah, on your journey. And the model could be to um, you know, if you're bringing a mentor in for coach the coach sort of sessions is to build you know if you're negotiating with them for their time just to maybe have a few more hours billable that you can you can reach out to them I don't know what yeah but but even you know taking the pattern that you've got also talking to the you know the scrum masters pastor cooling manager you know the person that looks after them and and you know their time, their commitment to the role, yep. saying actually as part of them coming into that role, you need to give them 5 or 10% or 5% of their time to go outside the organisation and find 
find that community, right? Find that, absolutely. That, um, that and we all know that we've got that five percent. And um, yeah, you're, you're lucky. But most yeah. organisations I work with, it's not a, it's not a conscious thing, right? No, it's not conscious. It's, it's not, not a stated. new. It's not a new development plan. No, no. It, it's not real unless it's in there. I, I kind of think so. It could be just, um, just words. <laughs> All right, so what I just kind of closing it out there. What I think, I think we kind of talked about is, uh, you know, uh, bringing on a on a rookie scrum master uh, who's working with a team uh, is hard. Um, ideally, there'll be an incumbent scrum master there, and we can we can learn by example. Um, Check. But the most, you know, if that's not possible, then actually we need some way of understanding uh, where the maturity of all the all the. Yeah. roles or the players or the parts of, of that are and that affects the way we kind of engage and, and when the scrum master will go on training uh, in terms of early versus middle um, we need to kind of negotiate then to have time to go outside the organisation if there's not a strong agile kind of cohort mm. in that organisation um, as a percentage of their time to, to give them somebody to talk to yeah um, we need some way of helping them f feel that they can safely ask questions at any time they need to, and, and they're not, you know, and they have that right because they're learning. Yeah. Um, is there anything else we covered? No, I think the the key thing is the maturity of the different actors in the in the actual process. If you can nail that, um, that sort of customizes how you're going to um, deal with, you know, the the weaknesses or the um, development opportunities within that whole team. Yeah, understand the context, the which context, is always important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, create a pattern where you can really identify the the areas and uh, and uh, kind of a an approach of how you bring that person on the journey based on the context that that currently exists. Yeah, um, and of course change it when the context changes. That's right. Um, so you know, if the if, if you walk in and you have a an experienced product owner and then you know for some reason the team pick up some work and an experienced product owner comes in yep. um, you probably want to change a little bit about how you're approaching this that's right so you've got to identify where that I call it the weakest link yep. has caught up with the rest of the chain so it's um, when do you let go when do you say that this team's ready to you know to, to go off on its own and build wonderful BI products um, yeah. Without your interference. And um, what you might end up, if you're running multiple teams, you might end up having a mature team that loves mentoring new scrum masters. So actually, yeah, they yeah. become the incubator team. As long as you know they're they're not training them to behave badly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, oh yeah, that could tend. Yeah. To okay, to the, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have a natural team that uh, love. Uh, incubating or, or mentoring the, the new scrum masters to build their capability. Um, yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's actually, if you're a large organisation with multiple teams, yeah. it may be something that you consciously want to do. Yeah, and so we've, we've identified that our weakest link is product ownership. We've been doing scrum mastering and BI development for, for a number of years now, but we haven't poured the time and effort into um, getting product owners up to speed. Right. We've always thought that that's the business's um, call, but we've identified if you want agile business, you have to make the first move. And yeah, and, yeah. and look, it's the business's 
responsibility to make a call on what the value is and provide product owners that are committed. Yeah. Um, but I still think as, as uh, in our roles, we need to help them understand what that means and, and how they can make that happen. So, you know, we do need to, to have a coaching role in coaching uh, mm. business users or on what product ownership means uh, and, you know, what's the commitment and, and how do we take them on that journey. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, some stage in the future we'll bring Helio back and uh, have a chat on you know product ownership part two. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what do you need to do? What's the checklist to uh, coach a product owner? Um, and what annoys you the most as a product owner from a team and a scrum master? <laughs> we, yeah. yeah. Actually, it would be great to find another experienced product owner um, to, to get another perspective on what annoys them uh, about the delivery team and the scrum well, master. Well, let me flip it around. What makes their day wonderful? <laughs> Oh, I'm happy with a half a glass <laughs> half empty. It'll be uh, it'll be a, a, a volatile but exciting podcast. So, yeah, uh, we all love social experiments. <laughs> we do indeed. Excellent, right? Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think we're done time wise, and uh, I think we're pretty much done content wise, which is always a good thing when those two align. Um, so we'll yeah, catch you next time. Catch you next time. You've been listening to another podcast from Blair and Shane, where we discuss all things Agile BI. For more podcasts and resources, please go to agilebi.guru.